When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pod Save the Queen! Hello there and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen, the Daily Mirror's royal podcast. We have a slightly different episode this week because instead of the lovely Anne Gripper as your host, you have me, Lucy Clark-Billings. I'm a reporter at the Mirror Online and I'll be joined today by the Daily Mirror's royal correspondent, Victoria Murphy, and our fashion and beauty director, Amber Grafland. So, I think it's probably best that we start off talking about Harry and Meghan's first evening engagement. Uh, Victoria, can you tell us a little bit about the awards and what it sort of meant for you? Yeah, so it's obviously been a very big, um, you know, a a big event last week. The biggest royal event, really, despite the fact that William and Kate were on tour for the whole week. You know, on Thursday night, all eyes were on Harry and Meghan. That was the event of the week that everyone was waiting for. Um, We've seen her a little bit since they announced their engagement. They're they're bringing her out so that she can get used to royal life, so that she can get to know the public, and so the public can become familiar with her. And this was kind of another example of her beginning to do some regular royal duties. Um, but it was quite significant because it was the first evening event, which we were all really excited about because as we talked last week, we were saying, oh, finally, Megan is going to wear a dress, an <laughs> evening <laughs> outfit. And How wrong we were. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, I should probably just say before we go into that, because we're probably going to talk about that a lot, I think. Um the, the, the event was something that's very close to Harry's heart. It's called the Endeavour Fund, um, and it's a fund that is actually run from Kensington Palace and that is it's funded by William, Kate and Harry's Royal Foundation. And the, what the Endeavour Fund does is that it provides grants to people who have been injured, um, wounded, injured or sick, servicemen and women, who want to do challenges. And part of this is this forms a very important part of their rehabilitation. So the money goes towards them being able to do things like they've done rowing challenges, there's been attempts to climb Everest, um, there's been trips to the Antarctic. So there's a lot of um, opportunity there for them to kind of really demonstrate that they, you know, that being injured hasn't broken them and that's something that is so important to Harry and that's one of his biggest causes so he was very keen to show Meghan um, Mm -hmm. get her to meet all these people who he knows well and who he's worked with many of them in the past and supported many of them Um, and you know I, I thought that it went really well obviously it got a lot of attention for the cause which is the purpose for going and also um Megan just seemed to handle it all very well. She seemed incredibly professional. 
you could tell, I think, that she has is used to awards presentations. I mean, she's done this kind of thing before in her role as an actress. She's very natural on the stage. There was obviously that moment where the person who was on stage with her lost his place a little bit in the script and lost his footing and he couldn't read out the names of the nominees for the awards. And she just handled it very well. She kind of gave a little laugh and it went on for quite a long time. Mm. But she did really, really well. And and it's interesting because obviously if you were a member of the public and you were engaged to Prince Harry and you had never done anything like that before and you were put on stage and that kind of thing happened, that would be terrifying. But you could tell that she's she's very used to it. Okay, and something that came up on the last podcast um, and was much anticipated was Megan's outfit. What did we think of it, Amber? Well, we, we talked before about how we were really excited about seeing Megan and the, the dress that she would choose. And of course, we were all very surprised to see her wearing a suit. And from a fashion perspective, I thought it was an interesting choice because if you've looked back over the red carpet recently, there were some people that wore, sort of Claire Foy wore a black Stella McCartney suit to the Golden Globes. So it's something that, that kind of goes with the whole women in empowerment at the moment, actually. I mean, A, they're really fashionable. B, I think it is kind of it is an empowering thing for a woman to wear a suit to an event where people would traditionally have worn a dress and I think it really showed her confidence really and how she's not going to necessarily conform to the kind of dress codes that we maybe thought that she would you know stick to and that she's doing her own thing I also think it's really interesting when you watch Harry and Meghan together how that they just seem to have this polish about about them and when you see them together they look much more like a show busy couple because there's yes. something very modern about them and they don't look necessarily like and I don't want to use the word stuffy because I'm not saying all the royals look stuffy but they just have a very very different air about them it's very slick isn't yes. it very yes. slick and I think that about Megan on stage as well um, even though she wasn't wearing what we would say as a glamorous outfit it was a very smart outfit but it wasn't glamorous I still felt that the whole thing had a very glamorous feel to it yeah just, I mean it was a very cool suit she made sure that it was cropped just the right length to show off her Manolo heels and underneath it she was actually wearing a tux bodysuit did yeah. we know it wasn't just a blouse oh. so everything about it was very on trend it was very cool that interestingly by Alexander yeah. McQueen yeah because we talked about her maybe championing different designers so designers that Kate doesn't wear very often um but I don't know if you agree with me Amber or not because I really do think that Megan is is making a very deliberate point here I think that we have seen her in such plain clothes yes. since she has been making public appearances with Harry. The engagement photographs, um, the, the photo shoots were an exception. But other than that, her clothes have been so plain in colour, so plain in style, very unisex as well. Um, and I think she is trying to kind of say it's, it's not about the clothes. It's about me. It's about what I'm doing. And also, I think she is a feminist and she's dressing as somebody who's saying, don't focus on what I'm wearing because I'm not going to play up to that feminine stereotype of wearing the glamorous dress, which is interesting because it is obviously different to what she did as an actress because she was a feminist and talked, championed a lot of feminist causes then, but she still wore the more... Well, she was taking on different outfits. roles as an actress yeah. when you step onto the red carpet. You're always kind of hoping to get onto a best dress list. It's all about getting noticed. And I think you're absolutely right. Before, the clothes were probably wearing her, and now it's about her, and she's not letting that happen. So she's wearing clothes that very much suit her mood, suit her, her attitude, really. And I think that was really reflected by both of them that evening. Yeah. Do you think, do you think the public will be 
become frustrated though if she doesn't I mean I don't know if the fashion world will see it differently or if but I, I don't know because I think there is a desire for people to see her in something a bit more colourful maybe with, that there's a bit more to say I think in this instance because it was a suit and there's been a lot of talk around the suit at the moment and that women have been wearing it on the red carpet and wearing it to events I think possibly not because there was something to say and I think there was a message in there I think she was saying look you know I'm powerful I'm here to it's about my message listen to me not necessarily look at me I think moving forward, if she keeps wearing a trouser suit, then possibly things will get a little bit boring. There are only so many combinations of them you can wear, but I think she's she's very clever and she's very savvy, and I something tells me that we're not going to be getting bored of Megan for quite some time. Yeah. The other thing I really want to know is, and we, we have I've asked about this, and there isn't an answer from anyone, you know, officially. Did she know that Kate was going to be wearing a McQueen dress that night? Because they were, they went out in di- different countries, but where the same designer and obviously completely different looks I mean for people who haven't seen it that night Kate attended a dinner at the Royal Palace in Norway and she was wearing a long um, off-white very floaty Grecian style dress yeah, and had a cape over it as well which yeah. made it look even more billowing there was a lot of fabric it was very it was a departure for Kate it's not we have never seen her wearing anything like that yeah. before and it was very like intricate diamante patterns yes. and, um, and it was McQueen and obviously the contrast between the two, the same designer but two completely different outfits. I thought that was From interesting. what I've heard, how you know, I mean, listen, I don't know how the inner machinations of, of what the royals wear works, but I think that the, the people that are, that are helping them with their wardrobe are very much working together. So I'd be very, very surprised if they didn't know that they were mm. both stepping out in McQueen. So obviously, I kind of like the fact that they're sharing designers and sharing, probably talking about fashion and. You know, it's it's not a competition, and that they're going to kind of open up each other's fashion address books, yeah. if you like. I mean, McQueen has done so well out of the royals, and obviously Sarah Burton designed Kate's wedding yes. dress, and she has been one of the few really consistent designers in Kate's wardrobe. She's always got a McQueen outfit on every tour of some description. Yes. So it will be interesting to see if if Meghan also does the same for that brand. Well, actually, I like. I think she just bought this suit off the peg. I think it, it's, it hasn't been custom made for her. McQueen, they have a, a black suit in every collection. I think this is just something that has very, very simply been ordered for her. Yeah. I don't think she's even had to approach Sarah Burton. I think she wanted to wear a black suit and that's the one she saw and that's the one she was going to have. I think, again, the whole she's not going for these custom made pieces in the, in the official engagements that she's been on is reinforcing that message that it's not a fashion show, it's not about me parading myself. It's about the you know we're here because we we feel very passionately about these causes. Yeah, I think I really think that's true. I definitely think that she is making a statement with her clothes in kind of the opposite way by yep. wearing clothes that aren't a statement. You know, um, but we have to talk about well, Kate. Yes, we have to talk about Kate. I mean, if she's making a statement in her trouser suit, what statement did Kate make in Norway and Sweden? Because. I think she was in nine outfits in total that we saw her out in public in. What was a highlight for you? We'll start with you, Victoria. Well, we talked a little bit about this last week. Um, the, the kind of the Erdem dresses that she wore two evenings in a row. And, the, I mean, they got very mixed reception. Yes. I was going to say that's a highlight <laughs> for me because it sounds mean that it's a highlight for me that her dresses got mixed reception. But I suppose we're kind of quite used to this kind of very classic... Um, she, 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 you know... 
she hardly ever wears anything that gets any negative comments and both those dresses mm. did actually get negative comments um, so that was you know just interesting to see that um, I still don't know what I actually think about them myself I just don't think I'm I think I think up until now Kate Starr had really been on a journey and I think she'd really really honed the things that look good on her and as you mentioned every time she collaborates with Sarah Burton and Alexander McQueen they're always amazing outfits and they really fit her and they're, kind of, they're not very fu- they're not fussy they'll stick to a colour and they always look absolutely stunning on her. Now the two Erdem dresses and the McQueen dress that you mentioned before that she wore on the same night that Meghan stepped out in the suit was such a departure for her. I think maybe we all still just don't quite know what to make of it. I didn't hate the dress. It was a beautiful dress, but I just don't think it was right on Kate. I don't think the hair was right with it. And I think with the Erdem dress, particularly the blue velvet Devore, on the catwalk, that was a long dress. Now, when Kate wore it, she'd had it made slightly shorter, and it wasn't quite midi, and it wasn't quite below the knee. It was a bit of a funny length, and I think with the ankle strap sheer, I just think the whole thing didn't work. Actually, if you'd just taken one each element on its own, they were nice pieces. I think it was just a really, really um, unusual fashion fail for her. Yeah, I mean, the Erdem dresses, Erdem, I think, is is a very fashiony brand, isn't it? Yeah. So it's not playing safe it's kind of really out there the really bold colors and a lot of kind of fabric basically in all of those dresses and people were talking you know people were comparing them to curtains and furniture not onto a good thing (laughs) with someone no and saying you know she's dressed like a sofa so it and you you can see the why because the fabric to to us is that type of fabric so Mm. it was a very bold a bold statement and um I think maybe sometimes you have to look at where people are wearing these dresses as well because Kate's worn Erdem before but it was really quite a glamorous event where everyone else around her was kind of wearing taking risks and wearing quite you know fashion what you would consider to be fashion red carpet looks but actually I think maybe in the backdrop of with the, when you looked at the other people and how they were yes. dressed it just didn't work and interesting I thought that actually because it's Scandinavia and Scandinavia is a country that is known for its very kind of clean lines and very simple tastes in furniture and design yes. so, so if she'd worn an Erdem outfit in maybe India where there's lots of bold prints then perhaps that you could have seen the, the marriage there but I thought that as well I in the cold weather compared yeah. to the other guests it just yeah. didn't work on this occasion I loved the red houndstooth Catherine Walker coat I thought that was stunning on her yeah. with the Chanel bag I thought she looked really really effortless and elegant that day so they you know, all in all it wasn't it wasn't a complete disaster I just think we're all a little bit stuck on what to make of yeah. those dresses because they were such a departure for her and they just didn't work on that tour and because there were three evening events I think those are the things that, that we do remember the, the coats and the day wear is, is perhaps less prominent on yep. the trip um, but also we um, haven't mentioned this but it's definitely interesting and I don't know if you saw this Amber but the Kate's hairdresser Amanda Cook Tucker actually posted on social media a picture of all of her equipment before she left oh for, I didn't see that oh my gosh you should it's, it's really um, yeah there's a lot of stuff there so this was before she left for Sweden and Norway um, she didn't realise that people would be able to see it I think her account is private but somehow it ended up out there yeah. and everyone as saw it as it does yeah. yeah and and she had a lot of stuff she had two hair dryers she had three curling tongs she had um, lots and lots of brushes and it was quite fascinating actually to see of course you know Kate Kate has a lot of hair she clearly cares a lot about it she always takes a hairdresser with her wherever she goes on trips um, and you know there's lots of 
lots of equipment needed. So she, she wore her hair up a lot, so it's it's surprising. Yeah, she did wear her hair up, didn't she? Mm. But maybe it maybe it just takes more. I don't think the weather helped because there were a few times where she wore really, really amazing coats and then had to change into boots. And I think sometimes that kind of changed the balance of the whole outfit. So I think she was, she had a lot to contend with. She's pregnant with her third child. It was very, very cold. The weather was huge. It was, had a big impact on what we all wore. I mean, I was, you know, there obviously as well and absolutely freezing cold um and you needed big boots you needed gloves you needed to be completely covered basically from head to toe and so she had um there was a couple of trips as well where it was very casual she went to the ski slopes in Norway and she was obviously wearing ski gear and then she went to do some ice hockey in Sweden so you know there's all the kind of having to dress for the weather and the casual outfits as well Mm. I mean, there was from an online perspective, it was really interesting actually because talking about the success of the tour on the whole and how it was represented back here in the media, briefly was discussing this with you earlier, Victoria, that you were saying you know there wasn't a mass of coverage in terms of what we saw in the paper, but online it's still absolutely flying and, and people are still absolutely loving what Kate's wearing and, yeah. and, and loving the discussion. So whether it's a positive or a negative, whether it's a curtain dress or a fur-lined jacket, everybody is really up for that discussion online and those stories are absolutely flying every that's single really day. interesting and I think that's, yeah, what I was saying to you before was that um, obviously I've covered a lot of tours and I covered their first tour together in Canada and every day we were getting two pages in the newspaper often we were we were always nearly on the front page sometimes we'd even get four pages in the paper depending on what they were doing and it has just you know got a bit less and less as people have got more used to the couple they're not such a novelty anymore um you know they've been around for seven years they've been married mm. for a long time and people uh, the novelty does wear off and so when you go on tours like this one it very much feels like if something big happens, then there's a lot of interest. But otherwise, in the newspapers, it's perhaps not going to get so much. Um, but I think also that's a reflection of the British audience, maybe versus an international audience as well. Because online, you've got that reach, haven't you? Mm-hmm. There's so many people out there in the world who are interested in this couple and what they're doing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I have to say, though, I actually love the mustard gold dress. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was my, I didn't mean, find that one. It was the, it was the blue velvet was, for me. That blue velvet for me. I, I completely agree no. with the shoes. It didn't work. Wrong. But I I think you're spot on about it being the wrong uh, event for it. But actually, when she arrived in the blue velvet Erdem dress, that I'm now saying I didn't like. She had a really long black fur trimmed coat over it, and because it was full length, it worked with the shoe. So you didn't have the hemline issue, and it kind of it balanced everything out. It was a really big, dramatic coat, and I think she looked really fabulous. But then when she took the coat off, it just the, the lengths were all wrong, and it just didn't work. Yeah, completely agree actually on that one. I still don't know what I think. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another thing sort of to completely move away from Kate and Meghan, which is which is a rarity. Um, Charles and Camilla were on this morning. So, Victoria, how did they do? What sort of... Yeah. Uh, it's so interesting to, th- to, you know, to think about the public's perception of them as a couple. So interesting because, as you, as you rightly point out, you know, when you've got Kate and Meghan on the scene, Charles and Camilla, that generation of royals, they just don't get as much attention. And Charles works very hard. He does hundreds of engagements every year. He's consistently one of the hardest working roles, along with Princess Anne. But we just don't hear about all of them because not all of them make the national press. Um, 
and it, with Charles, it's very much a case of, you know, he does have to do or say something particularly unusual uh, for people to really sit up and listen now. And of course, you know, this morning, him going on this morning, I think was an example of that. There was a lot of interest in that. It was fun. And also you've got the celebrities as well. Obviously, Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield are celebrities in their own right. So there's interest coming from that angle as well. Um, I, I mean, I, I was um, in Sweden and Norway when it happened, but when I caught up with it and watched it, you know, I, I got the impression they were going to sit on the sofa and do an interview, and they did not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> they it was just very sat involved. there for about five seconds <laughs> yeah. and then jumped off again. Um, you know, and I think that's that's an example, really, of a well done from the Palace PR's perspective because, mm. they you know, they want him to kind of be there and to, to do all the things that make him look good, but they certainly don't want him sitting down for a, a, an, an inquest. Yeah, exactly. Someone might ask the wrong question. So I think it probably worked quite well for that. Um, and they, they did some they did some nice stuff. I think the general public will probably have warmed a little bit to Charles and Camilla from that appearance. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what you guys think. Do you think? Yeah, that I mean, it felt like a sort of behind the scenes sort of like view of them. I thought, you know, meeting all the different people, and I I actually really laughed when I watched it and saw. Eamon Holmes is obviously a massive fan of Camilla, which I did not know. He, did you hear him say? Did you hear him say? He, he said really hugged he hugged her. her. He actually <laughs> proper gave her a bear hug, and he said, you know, something like, "Oh, it's my favourite royal." He said, or something like yeah, that, which I thought was yeah. brilliant. And so I mean, I he's... always think she'd be my favourite royal. I've said that before. I think she's just a lot of fun, and I think she's got a great sense of humour. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You know, she is I'm with the friendliest. Yes. She's the friendliest. She's the one who'll speak to journalists when you're covering her events, and possibly because she doesn't get loads of journalists turning up every time. So when you do go, yeah. she'll always acknowledge you and say hello and you know William and Kate and Harry and Meghan don't do that so she's very friendly and she loves Strictly as well so she's Mm. a huge Strictly fan so she was speaking to Eamon and Ruth about Strictly and you know I think I think I think she's I think she's a good fan. I think it probably did a lot to help them to make them look appear more down to earth yeah. Because the, I mean, the fact that she watches Strictly—it's just not what you think and what you expect. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you know everyone was so aware of them and liked them and welcomed them—I think that will have warmed a lot of people who maybe didn't have very much of an opinion before. Will have thought, yeah, well, you know, yeah, because Charles, you know, doesn't get into people's consciousness perhaps for the good things. Unfortunately, you no. know, when he does things that um, slip ups or things that are controversial, it will get a lot of coverage. Um, but when he does doing his day-to-day kind of everyday positive appearances not so much so it's it's good for him to I think he always to me he's always seemed a little bit out of touch but now I know that he probably sits down on the sofa next to Camilla and watches Strictly I think I probably like him a lot more Yeah. yeah something I was going to ask actually I mean you'll know this but um were the kids around with Kate and William on the tour did they attend or were they they back at home in London no they stayed in London they took them to um, Poland and Germany over the summer and that was before George started school Mm. so now he's at school they obviously can't go in take the kids in term time of course of course yeah I think that I think they found that taking them perhaps this is just my opinion but a little bit for all, really, mm. I, I got the impression that, that that trip was maybe not the most relaxing for anyone um, in Poland and Germany. And I think so. If you're only going away for a few days, it probably just does make sense just to let the kids get on with their own routine at home. And certainly now George is at school to be taking him out of school. That's absolutely not what they would want for him. They want him to have um, a, go to school and be like everyone else in that school, not to be whisked off for fancy royal absolutely. tours every 
in a few weeks. So mm. they want him to have that stability and to be like the other children. Because we're finding, which is really interesting, obviously Meghan and Harry are the couple of the moment. They are, everyone wants to know everything about them too as a couple. However, when Charlotte and George are involved, the attention does go back to Kate and Wills. Yeah. They do love the kids aspect of it as a family. You know, that really is drawing readers in from online. I think people just love the, yeah. the tantrums and the smiles and yeah. the giggles and stuff. And so. I find that too, whenever we're on a job with Kate and William, if they mention their children or say something about their children, you know that people are going to be interested in that. There was a nice story that came out of the tour. They, talked to, they went to see... Um, an exhibition which featured some Ikea products and they were talking about having Ikea pieces. I heard this, yes. I thought that was bedroom. great. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure I believe them. I'm sure they're like, <laughs> I believe them. But I still can't quite picture it inside Kensington Palace. But they, you know, they obviously, um, well, as they say, they, you know, they have those products and that shows, I guess, you know, as we all do, who doesn't have IKEA products in their kids' rooms. I love that. And also just parents first and foremost, I suppose, above everything else, keeping him in school, etc. Yeah. So that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move on to some other news. So this is aside from Meghan and, and Kate. Something, um, it was claimed over the weekend, Prince Harry was not going to invite his aunt, Sarah Ferguson, also known as Fergie, Ooh. to his wedding. So this week, around 600 invites are expected to go out. Um, for I don't the know ceremony. about that. I don't know about this week. I think it might oh. be a few weeks. Oh, yeah. a few weeks, but this yeah. month. Well, maybe the end of this month, or maybe even the beginning of March. William and Kate's invitations went out mid to late February, and their wedding was April. So okay. We were at a May wedding. Yes, so. that makes sense. William and Kate didn't invite Fergie. I know. So is this? But is this? But I think Harry how will. true is this? I, th- I'm, I think. <laughs> I think Harry will. I, I don't think it's right that he won't invite her. He's actually probably closer to Eugenie and Beatrice than William is. He spends a lot more time with them. And they're very close to their mother. Mm. And there isn't really any animosity between Harry and Fergie. I don't think he spends a lot of time with her. But I, I would put my money on her being there. Yeah. So this is a, this has all come from the sun on Sunday, I believe. So, you know... <laughs> It may, it may not be true, <laughs> but you'll hear it here first. <laughs> um, speaking of which, Eugenie's wedding, October the 12th. Yes, the date was announced this week, so we knew all we knew before was that it was going to be in the autumn. Now we know it's definitely October the 12th, which is a Friday, but I wouldn't get your hopes up about bank holidays. I just don't see that happening. Um, you know, it's way down the pecking order in terms of a royal. Um, obviously, it's in Windsor. Um, St George's Chapel they they were always going to have to avoid August and September when well August is not the autumn but they were always going to have to avoid September when the Queen is still in Balmoral and of course Harry's Invictus Games in Sydney, Sydney is at the end of October and he and Meghan will definitely be going to Australia and probably New Zealand then as well so this is one of only a few dates they could have squeezed in yeah and what do you think of the venue choice? Do you think that was... Was that... Had you predicted that as the... Um, well, I hadn't thought, given Eugenie's engagement a lot of thought, I must be honest, until it was announced. But St George's Chapel, Windsor, makes perfect sense for her because, obviously, Andrew lives at the Royal Lodge, Windsor. So yeah. that's where he spends most of his time. And that section of the family is very synonymous with Windsor. So... And she wouldn't get married in um, Westminster Abbey or St Paul's Cathedral for the senior more senior royals so that that makes sense yeah um this week also marks the anniversary of the queen's accession um february 6th which is tomorrow marks 66 years on the throne um 
I don't know what her plans are. Do you know what her plans are to celebrate this? Well, I know. Yes, well, her plans are she always spends the anniversary of her accession out of sight. So she um, she spends the day privately. Um, And it's obviously the anniversary of the death of her father as well. So it has mixed emotions for her. And she, um, the the only exception to this, I should say, was her Diamond Jubilee year. She did come out in public and she visited a school. And that was just an acknowledgement of the huge interest in her Diamond Jubilee. But the rest of the time she's celebrated it, celebrated it, commiserated it privately, marked it privately is what they always say. And then she will come back to London. So she's in Sandringham at the moment, still on her Christmas break. Oh, wow. Those of us. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) We can't really complain because she's 91. But yeah. Surely the mince pies have run out by now. (laughs) Yeah. She's still having her uh, in her Christmas residence. And then she will come back um, later this week to London. Okie doke. Um, Some sad news, though. The Queen is said to be profoundly upset this week. Um, by the death of seven swans from her official flock at Windsor. Um, It is speculation at the moment because scientists are still doing tests, but they do believe that it was bird flu. Oh, no. Um, So I think it was the the Sun reported that the H5N6 strain um, of the influenza is thought to be behind the deaths, but tests are ongoing. Um, But she is said to be profoundly upset by it because they mean a great deal to her. Well, it's a big thank you from me to Victoria and to Amber. Thank you so much for having me along for the ride. I've absolutely loved um, hosting this podcast for the first time. Hopefully it won't be the last. Uh, we have got a lot to look forward to over the next week. We have got Kate opening a new Action on Addiction Treatment Centre that helps people battle addictions on Wednesday. She is opening the centre in Pickford, Essex, before spending some time learning about the charity's recovery programme. And then on Thursday, it's Prince William's turn. He will be attending the 2018 Centrepoint Awards. I believe the awards are in their third year, and they celebrate the courage shown by young people in turning their lives around after experiencing homelessness. So there is a lot to look forward to and a lot to discuss in the the podcast. Please do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and drop any questions over in an email to podsavethequeen at trinitymirror.com we absolutely love hearing from you thanks a lot goodbye for now pod save the queen 